Welcome to ForeverFit.tv, your online source for fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle. With your host, Nicola Riley, personal trainer, nutrition, and lifestyle coach, here to help you get in the best shape of your life. Welcome along to Podcast 36. Today I want to start it off with a fantastic quote, and this is, it says, Motivation is what gets you started. Habit and routine is what keeps you going. And I find this is so important to remember because in order to achieve goals, it can be easy to start off in a new routine. And like we have all this motivation to give this new thing a go, this new um, discovery a go, this new diet, this new plan a go. But that motivation soon does wear off. And what gets you results and what gets you success is that commitment and that dedication and time. And the way to get that commitment and that dedication is by forming habits and routines so that they just become a part of your life and so that your life becomes more active and so that when you don't have that routine, you really miss that um, the, the exercise or that um, the food that you've been eating, that part of your life. You miss it when you don't have it in there. So the more powerful and strong you make your habits and your routine the more likely you are to succeed so understand that motivation is fantastic and motivation is what gets us going and motivation is what you know gets you off the starting blocks but it does take commitment and it does take dedication and it's about those habits and routines that you just keep plugging away each and every day just knowing that it's like you brush your te- just like you brush your teeth, getting that exercise and eating the right food is part of your life now, and you just do it day in and day out. And when you do that, that is when you get those results. So today I wanted to share another book that I think is really fantastic, and I I'm I'm big um, I. <laughs> I don't so much anymore, but I I love um, like the self-help kind of books, you know, the ones that are about motivation, getting your life in order, and I've got my fair collection of all of those. But this book here is slightly different, and it's called Live Life Aggressively, and it's by Mike Mailer, and it is the self-help book, or it titles itself as the self, what self-help gurus should be telling you. And this is quite different, so this book is kind of like a, a big slap in the face, and it's t- it teaches you to step outside your comfort zone, and it teaches you to um, remember what you need to move forward with purpose, and it's about like taking charge of your life and striving towards greatness rather than stepping into the mediocrity and that quiet sort of um, hopeful um, place. So just a wee blurb from about this book. Is this is what it means to live life aggressively. It means to live with a strong purpose and resolve. It covers areas that few people have the courage to actually talk about. And it goes into, um, you know, food and diet and exercise and how to live a life with real purpose. So self, most self-help books are focused on making you feel good about about your current life and they sort of make you feel good about what your your current situation but without this book here kind of gets really honest and helps you move forward without a strong sense of purpose or passion you'll persevere through the inevitable plethora of hard times that are coming your way and people need to accept that they will suffer in order 
in order to lead a fulfilling life and that their suffering should be embraced rather than avoided. So embrace the suffering and avoid procrastination and the true destroyer of hopes and dreams. So this book's focus is on teaching you how to move forward, how to set really good goals and how to be live live your life aggressively but in terms the way that it's talking about aggressively is not you know walking around punching people or anything like that it's about moving forward and striving towards your dreams and being brutally honest with yourself and using this book to really just push your limits and push your boundaries so if you're looking for a book to help you you step up to another level then this could be a really good book so that's called it's called live life aggressively by mike mailer and there's links in um on the bottom of this about the book there too so what's new this week this week we had um we had our exercise challenge which was awesome we had, this is part of boot camp and there was a I know people's faces were pretty shocked when they found out what the actual challenge was, so that was very cool. And there's lots of schools coming in, so I did it live on Wednesday, and everybody's got the opportunity now to keep getting their scores in until um, the end of boot camp, and there's going to be a prize for the winner of that exercise challenge. And it's just about giving it a go, because there is nothing better than at the end of... I'm not going to tell you what the challenge was, but there's nothing better than at the end of it knowing that you can say that you've just did that and that your time was awesome and it's a great thing for you to come back to as well and know um you know how far your fitness has improved taking it all up to a new level some new posts that i've written on foreverfit.tv and um, this first post is all about the common traits of people reaching their potential and this is about like do you really understand do you know what your potential is? And this kind of links into the book that I was just talking about. Is so many people are afraid of putting themselves out there or stretching themselves past their comfort zone. I know for myself I love to stick within my comfort zone. But I also know that in order to achieve what I want in this life, there are times that I need to step outside my comfort zone and stretch myself a little. And what I mean by stretching is that there is... Just as you stretch a muscle, there is an uncomfortable area. But as you know, sometimes the stretching of, of a muscle improves your flexibility and your mobility and ultimately helps you get really good posture and alignment and prevent injury. So that area of place of discomfort is a place that is actually improving you as a human being. And so the same goes for in life. Sometimes you need to experience areas that stretch you and that are uncomfortable. And may it simply be for myself, you know, writing blogs and putting them out there for the world to see and knowing full well that there's going to be hundreds, thousands of people reading it and most probably picking up on all my spelling mistakes and my grammar and, you know, some of that's going to turn people away and some of it's not. Some people may have different opinions about what I write, but that there is something that is stretching my comfort zone and I know that I want to be writing what I'm writing and for something else, it could be like public speaking, it could be meeting someone that's really important in your life, it could be like studying a new course so that you could leave your current job, it could be a new thing you're trying to take your business or learning a new skill for your family or a new hobby, it could be learning a language because you want to be travelling overseas, it could be working two jobs so that you have enough money to live the life that you want and you and to be able to provide eat the right sort of food that you want. 
all of these things are things that stretch your comfort zone and exercises like this also so if we always sit on the couch we're just strolling through life and we, we remain exactly the same however if you stretch your limits and you take away boundaries you'll find that you'll not only improve your fitness but you'll also improve your entire life as well so in life we need to stretch, we need to find where our comfort zone, we need to stretch and just pass that so that we grow and we know that we're capable of and to not worry what other people think. Do it because you know it makes you a better person and because you want to achieve your goals. There's, there's so many like autobiographies out there and the common theme amongst all of them is that they had the courage to do it for themselves what they what they believe in and what they're wanting to achieve and they don't worry what other people think and they grow themselves into who they want to be so here's a there's a wee list i've put together of some of some of the common traits of successful people number one is they aren't afraid to express who they are number two they take full responsibility in their life and they know it is up to them to make it great they know they are in charge of their own happiness. They understand the importance of gratitude. They're willing to stretch themselves and get outside their comfort zone. And they are living a life they are passionate about. And my favourite, they JFDI and they get stuff done. There's another word that I would use, but this is a podcast. <laughs> so start to believe that you have some of these traits also, like implement them. Make them stretch you a little bit, but remember, a little stretching outside your comfort zone can be a big difference in your life, so don't be afraid of it, and see where it can take you in life, your vision, your fitness, and your health. So this applies to nutrition, this applies to fitness, this applies to your goals that you've set for your um, like your business, your vision, how like the rest of your life. It's making sure that you understand what you're wanting to achieve. Like when, it, when we look at exercise, for some people, stretching outside the comfort zone just could be saying, okay, I'm going to commit to five workouts a week and I'm going to make this happen. And that is outside their comfort zone. And they know that in the past they haven't been able to do this, but this is something that it's not necessarily that, that they're afraid of doing five per week, but it's the commitment of actually making that happen. Or it could be the simple fact that you're wanting to give up sugar and processed foods and it's that fear of actually committing to doing it and making it happen. So there's so many ways that you can look at it. It's not just about um, like reaching like long-term life goals. It's also about your day-to-day fitness decisions that you make and just being willing to allow yourself to change so that you do get stronger. Okay, the other post that I've written this week as well is all about squats and why we should squat every single day. Squats are one of those exercises that activate so many muscles in our body. However, we simply don't squat enough and we squat we should be squatting throughout our day from getting up that we do do some squatting, like we're sitting into a chair, getting up out of the car, that kind of thing, that's squatting, but we don't do enough deep squats. And the incredible thing about a deep squat is that it, the way it aligns your spine and takes the pressure off your spine is incredible, not only for your digestive system and your nervous system, it's incredible for your posture and your alignment as well. So when we um, sit on a chair, 
Not only do we have gravity pushing down on us, we're then sitting on a chair and we've got the the pressure of the chair pushing up into our spine. So we're constantly condensing our spine and putting pressure on it. But when you do like Hindu squats and do deep squats, your spine's able to naturally just curve and you're taking the pressure off it. And you're also elongating the spine and you're also helping getting a really good curvature through your digestive system as well, which is fantastic for digestive health. And too often we just sort of squat to like 90 degrees or we don't get our butt to, butt to ground. And so this is one of those things that we're designed to do and we're designed to get low. But however, because we spend so much time sitting in a chair, we've lost the ability to get low and our knees get creaky, our hips get tight, our back gets stiff. So the simple act of a proper squat, like our ancestors used to, this is how they would hang out around a fireplace, would be sitting down, they could squat like this, this would be where they would rest. So they'd spend their day standing, and then they'd be resting in a squat position, but so many of us can't even do that. So I encourage you to squat every day and try and get to a deep squat. If you can't get to a deep squat and you haven't got injuries, but just because muscles are tight, see if you can get yourself down there. And if you can't, keep doing it and keep giving it a go because it will happen. It could take a week, it could take three months, it could take a year, but you want to to get yourself and your body moving functionally functionally and you want to get that body mobile so you need to squat and like you just want to give it a go and one of the best things to do is if you've got like dogs or children don't want to put them into the same category but dogs and children little things around your house get down to their eye level and use this as an opportunity to squat so get down to their eye level and play with them you know like throw the ball but do it from a squat position or talk to your children at eye level and do that from a squat position. And that is an incredible way for you to not only work on your um, mobility, but also be working on your strength. And when that becomes a habit and becomes a routine, you're getting these squats into your day without even thinking about it. So the benefits of a squat is they work your entire lower body, especially when you add weights to them. You can do them anywhere. They'll make you stronger, they'll boost your endurance, they'll improve your posture, and they'll tone up your lower body. And they use really large muscles, so they'll increase your uh, metabolic rate when you do them each day. They also energize you when you do them as well, so fantastic to do before breakfast or as soon as you get out of bed, just do like 10, 20, 50, 100 breathing squats and just notice how this lifts your energy up. And you can also really intensify them easily or modify them easily as well. So they're quite a diverse exercise and just one of those things that you want to make sure that you keep doing. Because as a human being, you're designed to squat, but because of chairs and because of our lifestyle, we've lost that ability. So see if you can bring it into your day, more squats and um notice how like when you do this it's going to help like lift your energy and just make you feel fantastic and also improve your posture strength and also just make you feel really good so if there was one thing for you to add to your routine this week try and get more squats in some other posts that i've written this week as well is inside the online gym so this is all the members exclusive only content and i I do two new posts mainly on Forever Fit and then two new posts in the online gym and so every new week there's um, exclusive VIP members only content and this is um, content that's much more in depth 
and so this week one is all about like why you aren't losing weight and I, I talk about metabolism and why the phrase I have a slow metabolism isn't really that accurate and I talk about the main reason why people struggle to lose weight and why it's more about um, other issues like a damaged metabolism and how it's so it's more about like a functional or dysfunctional metabolism versus a slow and a fast metabolism and what this actually means and so many people get caught up in the fact of thinking it's all about speed of your metabolism and I describe much more about its function what makes it work how you can improve it and all the different things that come into your day when we when we talk about the different components of your metabolism as well so like your basal metabolic rate um, how physical activity affects your activity and the thermal effect of food as well how this affects your metabolism and how you can do certain things to improve the overall function of your metabolism so therefore helping you lose weight and so so many people find that in order to lose weight it's they get trapped up into the whole calories in calories out boosting your metabolism um just though that terminology and I, I go into detail about describing um what actually is happening and making sure that we we're getting our body thriving at a cellular level and we need to ensure that we're providing the body with the right sort of nutrition and the right sort of exercise so that the food and the exercise is nourishing the cells and the organs and so that they can thrive and enhance and be functioning optimally and making sure that you're eating the right foods for your body as well so that you have energy and you have the fuel to be able to function perfectly and getting that real health. Then the other post I've written in the online gym is about um, blood sugar levels and why these are so important and how do you stabilise them. So uh, we've all heard of blood sugar and um, like, and what that kind of means. Basically, to when we eat food, food can either stabilise your blood sugar, it can spike your blood sugar or it can make your blood sugar plummet. And so getting the right food for your body is going to provide fuel. And after you've eaten a meal, you should feel a sense of satisfaction, a sense of well-being and feel like you're fueled and ready to hit the afternoon. If you get like jittery and wired and then you crash like half an hour later, this is a really good indication that that meal affected your blood sugar levels and that it wasn't the right sort of fuel for your body. The opposite could happen if you have a meal that makes you really lethargic and sleepy straight away. Then again, this is telling you that that combination wasn't the right sort of fuel for your body. And there's different ways that you can um, learn how to understand what's going on and how to stabilize your blood sugar. So I go through a whole list of different steps that you can take to make sure that you're eating food that's right for your body. Because the reason this is so important is because when we spike blood sugar, this also, or when blood sugar level drops, this also increases cortisol levels, and high cortisol levels create stress on the rest of the body, and this can affect your hormone pathways and the way your even your metabolism is working. So, 
you want to make sure that everything you eat is constantly stabilizing your blood sugar levels. If you're eating things that make it skyrocket and then make it plummet and then you're yo-yoing all over the show with your blood sugar levels, you're never going to be able to lose weight. You're constantly going to be fatigued and tired, most probably grumpy and moody and then crashing and finding it really hard to wake up in the morning. So there's a whole lot of things that you can do to help really stabilize your blood sugar. And I go into real big detail about this in the online gym and just learning to understand what foods are working and knowing if this meal slows me down, what can you do to manipulate that meal to make yourself feel better? And if, the, if this meal makes you feel jittery and wired, what can you do to manipulate that also as well? So lots of new information on both Forever Fit and the online gym. Uh, so make sure you check out all of those. In today's topic, I wanted to talk all about gluten and dairy and what these two things have in common. So for some people, when they try going gluten-free, it seems like their whole world has completely shrunk and that they can't eat anything and for people with this mindset if I suddenly tell them to like cut out dairy as well it can just be way too overwhelming and then they just freak out and have no idea what to be eating and these two things it's I don't say cut out gluten and dairy just because it's the latest fad or anything like that I tell you to do it because there is an absolute reason behind why and the, it's the, one of the best ways to understand whether or not this is right for you. So <sighs> gluten and dairy are very similar in the way that they react in the body. And for, for somebody who's got a food intolerance or something going on, they need to discover whether or not the food that they are eating is causing a problem. And so the best way to do this is to cut them out for 30 days. Then they can reintroduce and see how the body reacts. Because I have no idea how your body is going to react and so this is where you need to learn how to understand your body find out what works for it eating like a low anti-inflammatory diet and then introduce things and see what happens and this is the best best way to find out food intolerances and what works for your body and the reason gluten and dairy go hand in hand is because of what happens inside your digestive system at a cellular level so if you're eating foods that you're intolerant to, they cause damage to your digestive system over time. And so if you um, just hold your hand up, you'll see your fingers that point out. And so imagine this as your micro, healthy microvilli, and this lives in the brush border of your intestinal tract. And these, every single finger-like microvilli, so on your hand, imagine your fingers there, Imagine hair like hairs sticking out the top of your fingers, so like a like the um, like a top of a brush at the top of every finger. So all your microvilli have these hair-like substances that top on them, and in these hair-like substances is where enzymes like lactase are produced. And lactase with an A is what helps you break down lactose with an O in milk. So when we are eating when we're young, the majority of us have a really healthy intestinal lining and the hair-like villi are healthy, so the hairs on, the, on our fingertips, and not, which is in your gut, are healthy and they're producing the enzymes, lactase, that help you break down milk. 
milk is great for us at this time of our lives, especially if you like raw milk and milk that hasn't been processed or tampered with. And however, as we age, often things like antibiotics, medication, um, gluten, junk food, stress, medication, environment, chemical food tolerances, all these things can cause damage to your digestive tract over time. And even though your gut is incredibly tough, and it does put up with a lot of abuse over the time, after a few years it does start to show the signs and symptoms of stress. And for someone who has a gluten sensitivity, and if they're consuming gluten their entire life, this is a really big fight for your gut to put up with each day, and each and every meal it's going to start to show the cracks. And the first place that your gut starts to show the cracks is in these hair-like villi that are on the top of your fingertips, these, this is where they start to get damaged and this is where lactase is produced. So your body's no longer able to break down the lactose and dairy. And this is why for someone who has a gluten intolerance and they're eating gluten and they're damaging the microvilli, they're not able to produce the lactase anymore. And so this is often, if someone's got a gluten intolerance, they're more, most likely to have a dairy intolerance also. And this can show up in many ways. And one of the biggest ways that a dairy intolerance shows up is sinus issues or hay fever, allergies, cold or flus, or most commonly as well is through real bad skin problems and acne, or even just like acne on your back as well. It's very clear. And the great news is though, if you do have an intolerance to dairy, you can repair your gut lining and the even cooler thing is that your gut is one of the quickest healing areas in your body. However, you can't keep imp- you can't improve it if you keep throwing damaged food, um, throwing damaging food and chemicals at it. It's like if you had sprained your ankle and then you went and ran on that ankle every single day. It would never get better. So you need to provide your gut with a platform to heal, and so that you're eating foods that are right for your metabolic type and for your body and that you're eating a really low anti-inflammatory diet, you're providing it with good quality bacteria via probiotics, you're providing it with like good quality nutrients to help rebuild the gut, so getting into your bone broths and some L-glutamine to help heal the gut, and then you're bringing your digestive system back into full health so that your body is able to digest and then break down lactose again if you are tolerant to it and enjoy good quality dairy again. Sometimes you do have to take the plunge, and so if you're sick of feeling, constantly feeling, you know, sinusy or hay fever or getting sick every winter, you know, we, we've gotten into the trap of thinking getting colds and flus through winter is normal because everybody gets them, but if you're healthy and you've got a really good immune system, remember 80% of your immune system is in your gut, so if you've got a really healthy gut, you avoid getting colds and flus and you avoid the allergies and you avoid the sinus problems. So you want to make sure that that you're not just you know running at 60% and putting up with these kind of things. If you know that you're gluten intolerant, cut out the dairy as well and see how your body reacts. So often after you have taken the time to heal your gut and you've given it the good building blocks, this is the time when you can then discover whether or not you're actually tolerant to dairy 
or whether or not you are intolerant just because your gut is damaged because quite often when you have a leaky gut or you have intestinal permeability or any sort of damage to your gut certain foods can just you can just become intolerant because your gut is inflamed so when you heal it and you bring it back to health so you're rebuilding your microvilla and you're getting everything back to health that is when you start to able to test your body and find out what foods work for you but you can't do that when your gut is damaged and that's why you've got to eliminate those sorts of foods make sure you check out the anti-inflammatory diet that I've got in the online gym because this is where I outline the foods that you'd be eating to help replenish rebuild your gut and then you'd be providing the body a really good platform and then after 30 days of doing that you'd introduce certain foods and see how your body reacts to them and so my own personal experience with this is when I gave up bread and cheese when you combine the two together it's a really tough battle because often you know cheese and bread they go hand in hand and you hear somebody saying um I can't give up my toaster sandwiches you 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 can't tell me I can't eat cheese anymore and this is a really really good indication about how well these two work together and they actually have like um, addictive properties in them and because the the great the real experiment is, is if you know somebody that has is showing like sinus problems or getting colds and flus all the time and they are eating a lot of cheese and it's like just give up the cheese but they can't because they're so addicted to it often when people are addicted to something it's a really good indication that that substance is doing some real damage at a cellular level because you never hear anybody saying you're not going to make me give up pumpkin are you or broccoli and so foods like that you know they're providing us with really good nutrients and people get really addicted to both gluten and dairy and the thing to understand is this isn't all just in their head and it's actually these actually do release chemicals in the body that are similar to um the opioids and drugs and they give them like a real sense of feeling good and these opioids are addictive and they and that they hit the hit that they get when they have like this cheese toasty is is often actually a sense of like it's not like a sense of well-being it's actually a high that they're getting off eating the cheese and the gluten if they are have got a tolerance to them so the other thing to understand is that the body is actually being fueled with foods um, that aren't quite right for its metabolic type so when you do eat foods you want to be making sure that you've got them proportionally balanced so that you're getting the right amount of protein and carbs and that when you do eat these foods that you feel satisfied and filled so often when you have cravings or um, signs and symptoms or something like you just can't give up because you're addicted and you've got to have it each and every day this is often a symptom of an imbalance and this could be correctly balanced by the right foods so say you had too much of a carb based meal and you knew that you just needed some protein that protein is able to stabilize your blood sugar levels get you back and then you're off on your way but often if you've got an, a real imbalance and you're eating the wrong foods your blood sugar levels crash and your body's just craving that next opioid hit from the bread and the cheese that it just last had so you never sort of really satisfy um the body and I I've been through this myself and I just know that I used to 
always have cheese toasties at lunch. It was on gluten-free bread, mind you. It wasn't um, the... It, yeah, the gluten wasn't involved. It was the dairy. And these gave me an awesome kind of hit for the afternoon. And I would feel satisfied, but then I would crave, like, anything. And I also got allergies, and I also had, like, dizzy spells. And this is when kind of everything sort of hit the fan with... Um, energy and adrenals and everything and my leaky gut got really bad and my skin got really bad and so this was all just you know if it wasn't just the cheese toasties fault don't get me wrong but they were addictive and it, they were really hard to give up there was a whole lot of things going on and dairy can be good but it's important to understand that you are making sure you're eating good quality dairy so that you're not eating um, you know really processed cheeses and that you are eating, if you can get hold of raw milk, awesome. And like good quality organic um, yogurts, if you can tolerate them. That's the big word, if you can tolerate them. And the only way you'll know if you can tolerate them is if you're getting your gut healthy. And making sure that you're eating foods that are right for your body as well. So the, the thing, if so, that's kind of the combination between... Um, gluten and dairy and why they generally go hand in hand and why so often I just get people to cut both of them out straight away if somebody's just starting however it is such a continual process so if you were to say to somebody straight away cut out gluten cut out dairy that could just be way too much and it might take them six months to you know going gluten free could be where they start and then they cut out the dairy and then they it's you know a gradual process the thing to understand is that um, it's always making sure it's the best quality food that you can source. So even though you might be going gluten-free, it's making sure they're not just then buying a whole lot of processed gluten-free products too. So if you can make it, make gluten-free bread at home, awesome. And um, if not, avoid gluten-free bread and just go with your non-gluten grains for your carb sources as well or your starchy vegetables. So the reason gluten is so such a problem is that um, according to the English Journal of Medicine, it's, called, it's the cause of over 55 diseases and it's one of those foods that's most commonly consumed across the whole population and we keep eating it. Um, Dr. Thomas O'Brien, like a gluten expert, says that 7 out of 10 people are sensitive to gluten and it's a toxic protein that is found in most grains. So the reason, like, so many people have been jumping on the gluten-free bandwagon and telling them, telling, um, like, just saying they're gluten intolerant, and there's a huge reason to this, and this isn't just a fad or people giving you to go, people actually feel much better when they cut gluten out of their diet, and little things like aches and pains in their joints, um, like lethargic brain fog, all those kind of things can be signs and symptoms of gluten. It doesn't just have to be digestive stress or bloating. Anything like rashes on the skin, all of those are uh, signs and symptoms of inflammation and inflammation coming from your gut. And that's why we want to make sure that we are eating like a low anti-inflammatory diet and getting foods that are right for our body. So gluten... Um, I'm talking about like wheat and in particular the, like the gluten that's found in wheat and the reason the thing you need to understand is that gluten and wheat that we consumed a hundred years ago 
is completely different to the wheat that we had today and most probably the wheat that like your grandmother ate. We're all um and and this is why I like that the argument of that um you know my grandma was able to eat wheat what's so wrong with wheat today and in the last 50 years modern technology and science has allowed us to like genetically modify grains to make them grow fast and so this has made them like drought and heat resistance and so the, and also increases the crop sizes of those grains and the manipulation of these wheats and the plants has made them incredibly different to what they used to be a hundred years ago. The wheat of the past was like a fairly basic wheat and it was made up of only like 14 chromosomes and this had like a very poor pliability and our ancestors knew this so this is what the, what they used to do is they crush the wheat and they consume it like porridge after it had been soaked overnight to help break down um, the enzymes and make it more digestible and the wheat of the past was called encorn and this like survived a fairly long life as it was the sole wheat until it got started to get crossed with a wheat called goat grass. This new wheat um, then had 24 chromosomes and it was the most popular wheat for thousands of years and then this wheat later got crossed with a tri Ticticum, Taishti, I can't even pronounce that. And this had 42 chromosomes, and this was a new version of the wheat. This wheat was the wheat that started to be created into breads and into baking. And for centuries, this was unchanged, and it was the wheat consumed by many of our ancestors. And today, wheat has changed even more. So this means the gluten properties that were existent in the corn wheat that is completely different to the gluten properties of the triticum variety. And in the past 50, 50 years, more changes have been made to the genomes to allow flours and baking to make them more elastic and more aesthetic and, and like just have a different feeling when, when consumed. And the wheat is in everything and it is hidden in so many different things as well and it's it's this sort of wheat and this gluten that is being consumed and is becoming more and more destructive to our health so the mineral not only is this wheat and the grain changed so too has the mineral content changed so the wheat of the past um used to have a like between 1843 and the mid 1960s the mineral content of the wheat grain included zinc magnesium iron and copper but after the 1960s, through this change, the the, the um, plants started to change, and so the variety of the plants, and so did the yield on the soil that the plants were made in. So the the plants were actually fighting for soil space, so they're fighting for minerals and nutrients. So the new variety has smaller roots, so any soil that the plant could reach and they didn't get enough depth to actually extract minerals from the soil, and because of the huge high turnover of the soil as well, the mineral content of the food we're eating has decreased, and then that doesn't even come into effect, the processing that's involved as well. And also because these plants are, so, you know, one crop's in, it's got a really fast growing rate, and then it's quickly 
turned over and then new crops going in there so the soil is getting more and more depleted because the plants are fighting for the nutrients that is left in there and so the grain is actually changing. So traditional wheat is used, is often prepared differently as well and so not only is this this like a different grain but it's also undergoing different treatments as well. So the bread and wheat products of today are completed completely sorry, are treated completely different to what they were in the past. So bread today is made generally with like refined white flour and using quick rise agents like yeast and it's made on a really large scale. Traditional wheat, uh, sorry, traditional bread was made with ground wheat and it was really slowly fermented using sourdoughs, cultures and soaking and it was generally made in the home as well. So this is where like... The traditionally preparing foods is so valuable and this is why I like checking out the Western A Price Foundation and why this is such a valuable tool because it teaches you how to traditionally prepare your foods and goes into more detail about what I've discussed here and it's not only like it's a fantastic way for you to like when you pre- traditionally prepare bread you are helping to pre-dried digest and pave the right cultures so that you're helping to break down the wheat and the gluten so that it's easier to consume. So this is why often those that may be gluten intolerant can actually handle some good sourdough bread when it's been made correctly and made with good quality flour. But if you were to go and buy just bought bread from the supermarket you can't generally eat it. So that's the difference. So if you've got a question on whether or not you should be ditching gluten and been holding on to the fact that you know I've been eating bread for centuries then this is kind of explaining why it's it's coming out of the waterworks that more and more people are gluten intolerant and you don't have to be diagnosed to be celiac the best way to understand whether or not you're intolerant to something is to cut it out for 30 days see how your body looks record down how you look perform feel act and then reintroduce it if you notice no symptoms I remember a symptom can be anything from brain fog to um, gut problems skin problems if you don't notice any symptoms then you might be fine with gluten so it's not for me to tell you um, you know that gluten is bad I just want to provide you with the tools so that you can work out whether or not gluten is is going to be okay for you and why why there is a difference between traditional bread and the bread in the supermarkets today and what's going on. And then you can get to understand um, how you can find the right foods for your body and work out what, what works for you. So learning to understand how your body reacts to food is an incredible teacher. Like Food is the best teacher to your body and if you listen it is the best way to understand what food works for you so every single symptom that you get is a whisper from your body as to whether or not um, that food was right and if you listen to that message it's an opportunity for you to learn how to unwind and how to understand your body even more so the other thing to understand is that your relationship to food is also a really good indication of what's going on as well. If you've got an addiction to a food and you can't get rid of it, this is going to be a sign and a symptom that you it may be something you want to pay attention to and you may, t- may need to find out what is actually going on. 
even your current weight is a sign and a symptom that something's going on. And if you pay attention to that, you're going to be able to learn how to use that as a tool to lead you on a new path to get healthier. If you use that as baggage and you're using that as, um, you know, for search for a quick fix, you're never going to actually be able to find out why you might be overweight or why you might be tired, why you might be binge eating, why you might be dieting. All these things are signs and symptoms from your body and signs and symptoms from the food that you're eating. So if you have fatigue, the great thing is to go, okay, I've got fatigue. Something's going on. Why is my body tired? Why do I feel exhausted? What's going on and how can I fix this? Often fatigue is something that is actually needed and mild fatigue or even chronic fatigue can actually completely stop you in your tracks and can make you stop and just go, oh, something's not right here. The balance isn't right. I'm doing too much or I'm not eating the right food. Something isn't right. And this is your body telling you. So if you listen to it, you'll, you, you're getting the tools to be able to make huge changes. So the other challenge that we're always facing is how, how do we correct this and how do we find um, the right way to head? And... The thing is, is, again, listening to your body, but wanting to have a big, a big enough reason to change. And often we, we wait for a big enough complaint and a big enough dramatic thing to make us want to change. And if you haven't found that change, then it, it's you might be wanting to look at, like, actually understand. So say you've constantly putting goals on yourself that you want to lose weight, you want to lose weight, you want to lose weight. Well, then if that's a big enough complaint for you, you've got to work out, okay, why am I overweight? What can I change and how can I fix this? So find a big enough reason and find a need to want to change because nobody can make you want to change and nobody can make you want to like cut out foods. There has to be something that makes you want to do that and makes that want to change. So the take-home message from this is... Um, remember like motiv- like I started it with motivation is what gets you started and habits and routine is what keeps you going and if you are, have got if you aren't feeling fantastic and you haven't got um, the you know the energy that you want in your day then you need to find the motivation to change and that's where you start to listen to your body so say you're fatigued Find out why you are fatigued. If you you have got um, sinusy problems, you're constantly getting sick, constantly getting injuries, find out why that's happening. And this is where it's all about, again, you, and you'll be asking, okay, but how do I do this? So you start by getting your food right. You get, eat a low anti-inflammatory diet. Check that out in the online gym. You eat a diet that is clean that helps you naturally detox that hasn't got into any inflammatory things in there and you eat that diet and you get your body working really well you add in fermented foods and you help to get your digestive tract feeling really good when that happens you're going to notice that your energy picks up you're going to notice that fatigue disappears and your weight will start to drop as well if you if you're overweight because you're not eating those inflammatory foods again then you start to add exercise in and you start to move your body and then you might find that those headaches you're getting start to disappear because you're getting the fresh air and you're getting outside and you're getting movement into your day 
So if you're stuck with where to head to next, then that's where you want to start. You want to start with that really good, clean diet. Make sure you're eating the right foods, getting to bed on time, getting to bed and falling asleep by 10 p.m. at night and getting eight to nine hours sleep per night, eating breakfast by 8 a.m., eating dinner at 6 p.m., nothing afterwards, making sure you're drinking lots of water and getting those routines happening. So remember, motivation is what gets you started. Habits and routines are what keep you going. So find the tools. They're all in the online jump of how you can do this and how you can start to get the right actions in place, how you can learn to listen to your body. And remember, food is an absolute amazing teacher. And so when you listen, you're able to find out what foods work for you and get your body feeling really fantastic. Hey, so thank you so much for tuning in. If you have got a question that you would like me to talk about or a topic you would like me to talk about on next week's episode, please get in touch. Otherwise, have a fantastic week and I shall talk to you next time. The materials and content in this podcast are there to educate and to inform. There's no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Instead, I encourage you to discuss your options with your healthcare provider who knows your condition and your health history. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience and conclusions. Nicola Riley encourages you to make your own